Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life. You can make a different choice. Every day we're learning, every day we're choosing. I'm excited for you. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you watch me on The Drew Barrymore Show, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to the season 10 premiere of Dates and Mates. I don't want to brag or anything, but I mean, how many podcasts do you know that have made it to 10 seasons? Like, as in 10 years. I almost can't believe it. And for those of you who've been here, I just want to thank you for sticking with us, whether you've listened for one season or for all 10. I am making this show for you. And for anyone who is new to the show... Welcome. I am so glad you're here. Let me give you a little backstory on Dates and Mates and why I do what I do. It actually all started with my own love story. I was a love cynic, but I ended up finding love online before it was cool. I met my now husband of 15 years on a dating site called Nerve.com. No, not nerd.com, although that is also a little bit true. Nerve.com. Don't bother Googling it. It was a long time ago. But shortly after that, people started coming to me to rewrite their dating profiles. And I was inspired to help others in their dating journey as well. And that's when I became a certified dating and relationship coach. Over the years, I've helped daters through all of the evolutions of modern dating, many of which you've heard about on this show, from the rise of texting to Tinder to video dating and a pandemic. And in all this time, one thing has remained the same. Relationships are so important. They touch everyone's life. So Dates and Mates really is a show for everyone. And today I give dating advice to celebrities like Drew Barrymore on her daytime talk show and Garcelle Bouvet on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But it all started right here with Dates and Mates. It started with you trusting me to help solve your dating and relationship challenges. And for that, I am truly grateful and I promise to keep showing up for you. I ended season nine with the Summer Encore series where I unlocked interviews and episodes that were previously available only to my VIP clients. And in the meantime, so many new questions came through that we are devoting the entire episode today to answering your questions. It's an all Dear Demona season 10 premiere. And let me tell you, Y'all did not give me the softball questions. First up, I'll be addressing this one. My marriage ended in an affair over 10 years ago. How do I re-enter the dating world in a positive way? And my date and I had a great time, but our communication has dwindled. Should I ask him about the change? I know you're wondering some of these questions yourself. I promise you one of the questions today will strike a chord with you. And if you stick around to the end of the show, you can also look back on the top 10 moments of this past season. So get your quote boards ready for some pins because we're going to do the dang thing in Dear Demona. 
help me. Y'all were coming in hot with these questions over the summer. So we're just going to dive right into it. And we're starting at a level 10 here, folks. This question comes to us from a listener named AA. She says, Dear Demona, I love your show. It is motivating and inspirational and getting me excited about the prospects of returning to the dating world. Here's my problem. About 10 years ago, I had an affair that ended up breaking up my marriage in a very painful way. The worst way possible. I have been carrying guilt about this for the last 10 years. I've worked on myself and come to terms with what happened as well as working on forgiving myself. I've had a couple of short-term relationships since then that have been emotionally and verbally abusive, and I understand why I made these choices. But now I have not dated anyone since the pandemic. How do I re-enter the dating world in a positive way? And do I even deserve to have a loving, supportive partner after what I did? Thanks for your help, AA. AA, I am so, first of all, glad that you're here and glad that you are getting inspired and excited from listening to this podcast because it sounds like that's exactly what you need right now. I just want to reframe the choice that you made and what happened in your past relationship is not as uncommon as you may feel it is. Depending on the source, you may find statistics from anywhere from 40 to 60 percent of people have affairs, either emotional affairs, sexual affairs. And we can't pinpoint the exact number because so many people have shame and embarrassment over it that they wouldn't even feel comfortable in an anonymous survey saying that they had an affair. So first of all, you're already ahead of the curve, girl, because you are admitting to the choice that you made and you are accepting the consequences of that choice. The challenge for you right now is moving past it and not repeating the same cycle that you were caught in before and also having the confidence to know that, of course, of course you deserve a loving and supportive partner because you are not your choices. You are not your past. You are not your mistakes. Everyone deserves that. And I hope everyone listening right now really feels empowered by me saying that, that it is your birthright to have a loving, supportive relationship. And you get to learn from your mistakes. You are not a finished human. None of us are. So you get to re-enter the dating scene now, and you get the opportunity now with all of the experiences that you've had, both from this marriage and from these emotionally and verbally abusive relationships, which I understand, I'm getting the sense you attracted almost as a way of punishing yourself for your choices. You get to take all that in now, you get to know what's right for you and you get to move forward in a different way. So if we can just flip your perspective on this is opportunity. This is not punishment. This is not obligation. This is your choice. You are choosing to move into a relationship in a different way. And you are going to then be choosing partners that support the vision of the healthy relationship that you want. It sounds like you've done a lot of this self-work already. Obviously, I'm a big fan of therapy, and I think it's a good idea. You were in a relationship for a long time, and you've been processing the pain of that relationship ending for a long time. But still, like, girl, I still go to therapy. I'm still talking about stuff that happened, you know, in high school, and that was a little while ago for me. (laughs) So it's still a wonderful tool, and I hope you're still utilizing that. 
and taking the experiences like like Oprah says, use your life as a class. I hope you're taking the experiences that you've had and processing them with a professional so that you can see how your experiences are leading to the choices that you're making in your dating life. So I would assume that in your therapy sessions or in your self-work, you have identified the reasons for the affair. Because affairs don't just happen. Usually there's a reason for it. Sometimes the reason is just opportunity, but sometimes it is something in the relationship that feels broken to you that causes you to look for an escape hatch, an exit strategy. So I don't know the answer to that question for you, but it's very important that you identify that before you begin the dating process again in this mindful way so that you can be on the lookout for when those feelings start to arise again and you can make a different choice. Every day we're learning, every day we're choosing, and I'm excited for you, AA, that you get the opportunity to still show up for yourself and for this future partner that I know will be coming into your life and will make you feel safe and will make you feel held and comforted and supported and move into this next phase of your life with mindfulness and positivity. Our next question comes to us in an Instagram message from Andrea. She says, hi, Demona, new listener here. I came from the See The Thing Is pod. I love Bridget and Mandy. Thank you so much for listening to that show and for coming over here. Here's a question from Andrea. She says, I'm having a lot of trouble with dating. It's like I match with guys, but literally no one is sparking my interest. I gave this one guy my number and he invited me over to his house. He was a great host. And in my eyes, it was the most perfect vibes. He's handsome. So I was even more excited about the possibility of us. We ended the night listening to music and he offered to rub my feet, to which I obliged. The foot rub was perfect, so perfect that I got sleepy. By this time, it was 4 a.m. You would think he would have offered for me to stay over, but he didn't. He had me leave. Since our hangout, communication has been short and he takes a while to respond back. I literally don't know where I went wrong because in my eyes, we had a great time. Should I ask him about the communication change or just take it up as he isn't truly interested and block him? Andrea, welcome to the school of dates and mates and dear Demona. Uh, here is lesson one. Girl, you were not setting yourself up for success in this situation. Your first date was over at his house. So let's just be real. He's a man. What was his expectation? Did he expect to invite you over to play some music and become a massage therapist? No. Girl, he was trying to get in your pants and you did not put out, which is totally your right to decide how far you want things to go on the first date. But you stepped all the way into that setup and did not meet what his expectation was. So... He did not meet your expectation, thereby sending you out on the street at 4 a.m., which I will 100% agree is super tacky, not very compassionate, not very gentlemanly. But at the same time, I'm assuming he's thinking there was an unsaid agreement that we're starting the, the date at my house. And now I'm playing music, I'm rubbing her feet, and then comes blank. <laughs> 
<laughs> what he got, it was blank. It was blank. That's what you gave him. So that's why things progressed in this way. So here are the rules. For those of you who are new as well, let me give you the rules of the relationship. You are in charge. You're an adult. You get to do whatever you want. But first date rules, we don't want to meet at somebody's house. We also want to keep that first date short and sweet. Just an hour, 90 minutes tops at a public place that you're familiar with for safety as well. And that leaves things feeling like they're ending in the middle so that there's more to be discovered later. There wasn't too much more for him to discover. It sounds like you had a great time. We'll chalk this one up to experience. I wouldn't chase him down. I don't even know if you have to go so far as to block him. I know we feel like it makes us feel better when we have a disappointing situation that we're like, I have to take an action. But as the Stoics say, sometimes an appropriate response is no response. So if that's what he's given you, that could be the energy that you give him back. Thank you for trusting me with your dating question, Andrea. And for everyone else, the DMs are open. If you want to send in a question for a future episode, you can send me a voice memo or text at Damona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also leave me a voicemail or text me your question at 424-246-6255. When we come back, more questions on deck. We will tackle these juicy ones. I'm a 56-year-old widow who is new to online dating. Help! <laughs> I don't know if that's what her voice sounds like, but I will help. And I lose my cool when it comes to women I'm interested in. What can I do? Mm, more Dear Demona coming right up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the special All Dear Demona episode of Dates and Mates. Y'all sent in a lot of questions, uh, and I'm going to get through as many as I can today. So let's keep it moving with this email from Elle. She says, I'm a 56-year-old widow who is new to online dating. I'm a black woman who is open to dating outside my race because I don't want to limit myself. But of course, I'm definitely looking at black men as well. What dating site do you recommend? L, I'm excited for you. You get to start a new chapter here with online dating. And I love that you are coming into it with an open mind. I encourage my clients to date race open. That doesn't necessarily mean like you must fall in love with someone of a different race. It just says be open. I say this because ultimately we're all more similar than we are different. Uh, I won't get on my soapbox today about race as a construct, it, which it is, but we are looking for connection and we are ultimately looking for certain values and certain qualities. Those are the predictors of long-term compatibility, their values, their communication style, their ability to resolve conflict and a compatible style with yours and their goals for the future. And you'll notice in that I didn't say anything about race. So we use it as a shortcut to 
assume that it means certain values or certain lifestyle, but it doesn't. So I'm glad that you're open to it because as we start to limit our dating pool and actually do dating math, we realize that all of these things that are on our list, whether it be height, age, location, race, each one of them erodes our dating pool a little bit by bit. So L, you're leading the charge by being open. Now, to address your actual question, which dating site slash app now do you recommend? Um, of course, I'm going to recommend OkCupid because I work with OkCupid, but I, I think it's really important to find the app that's the best fit for you. So I look at two factors, two factors only when I'm helping people decide which app they should be on. Number one, do you like the pool of people there? Like if you're swiping through men of any race, are you like, yeah, he's cute. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yes, I'm curious about this guy. That's step one. Step two is, do I like the functionality of this app? Do I like how, like, let's just say OkCupid, for example. I'm not trying to make this a commercial, I swear to God. <laughs> On OkCupid, do you like having the matching questions and going through all of those beliefs that they have? Or does that feel overwhelming to you? Do you like on Tinder, the ease of use where you can just get online quickly and start swiping and look at the profiles and see if there's a match based on that? Do you like having a curated list of possible matches? Like would Coffee Meets Bagel be better for you because you're not getting hundreds of messages and you're not getting hundreds of matches? You're getting maybe a couple. You're getting a handful of matches a day, a week, and that is enough to ease into the dating process. Because look, if you were married for a long time, you're 56, things are a little different, Elle. And we don't necessarily need to go from zero to 60 right out of the gate. You can ease into the process. So find the app that you actually like. In terms of race-specific apps, there are a lot of apps that segment. I call them niche apps. These are apps like Black People Meet, like J-Date, which is actually where I originally started. That's the first place I had a dating advice column. What these niche apps do really well is make sure that the majority of the people fit one particular criteria for you. It takes that one step out of the screening process. You already know those people meet that criteria. They're Black. They're Christian. They're Jewish. They're farmers. Farmers only. <laughs> So it's a good idea for you to be on multiple apps, particularly if you're going to be on a niche app, because a niche app has, as I've demonstrated earlier, smaller pool. There are fewer people there, but you know everyone there matches that criteria. So why not try to be on both and see, pick a niche app and one of the mainstream apps, see which one you like, see which one you like the people on, see which one you like the functionality, and then go all in on that one app. But don't put too much pressure on yourself to find the perfect app, to find the perfect man. Just try, just try to step into the experience and really focus on connection, making a connection with another human regardless of the skin they're in. Next question, an email from Jay who says, Hi, Demona. I struggle to talk to girls that I'm interested in over text message and in person when they come up to me. I freeze. And I don't know what to say. With randoms or friends, I'm fine. But when it comes to girls I'm interested in, I completely lose it. 
Is there anything you can do to help? Yes, Jay, there's a lot that I can do to help. And it all comes down to preparation and practice. What's happening is your brain is being hijacked by adrenaline. And then our like caveman instincts kick in and tell us to do what in in the face of danger, an exciting moment, a an unsure situation that you don't know how to get out of. Your brain tells you fight, flight, or freeze. So it doesn't sound like you're the fighting type, but <laughs> maybe flight, you're like, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. I pull back from the situation and certainly freeze. I don't know what to say. And I find that the best way to move past that is to Prepare for the situation before it comes. This is why pickup artists, which I'm not really a huge fan of, pickup artists have guys do a ton of approaches. Approaches is just like going up and talking to a woman. Like not just talking to women that they are attracted to, just talk to women, talk to people and begin those conversations. Because the more that you start conversations and see that, you're not going to be attacked. You're not going to die. Like the worst thing that might happen is she tells you to get lost and you're okay. You survive it. You're fine. Then you start to realize, oh, I'm not in danger, actually. That old conditioning that told me fight, flight, or freeze, that does not apply to this situation. It's not, the stakes are not that high. So it takes the pressure off the next time that you do want to approach a woman, you know you can do it and you're going to be okay. And you're going to get basically one of two outcomes. She's either going to say, hey, I want to keep talking to you. I'm interested. Here's my number. Here's my IG. Let's go out, whatever. Or she's going to tell you to get lost. And either way, you're going to be just fine, Jay, and it's okay. So I want you to start practicing, practicing approaches. As far as texts, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of text as a an intimacy tool. It's not a great way to build connection. It is a great way to appear clever and flirtatious and keep it light and fun. So for the texting, I encourage you to just try to keep it short and sweet. You can use, I'm a huge fan of using GIFs and memes to add humor, and of course, emojis sparingly for emotional context. It's a mood modifier. You may have heard me say on the show before. Emojis are mood modifiers, so they tell the person the context of the text that you're sending. But just try to get your reps in, Jay. Try to get your reps in both over text and in person and let go of the outcome. So that when these girls you are interested in are in your space, are in striking distance, that old conditioning is put aside and you know how to proceed. So much of success is preparation. So like if you were going to do a speech, for example, what would I tell you to do? I would tell you to write out your talking points and practice your speech so that then when you get up to talk, You know what you're going to say. You can feel comfortable and you have the baseline down so you can anticipate if things go in a different direction. Dating is the same way. Just do your practice, do your preparation, and a lot of those nerves should hopefully subside. 
What a great question, Jay. Thank you so much for sending it in. We have uh, more exciting Dear Demona yet to come. We'll be talking about, I tend to let my imagination run wild as soon as I plan a first date with someone. How can I stop this from happening? And how do I tell my partner that my desire for a polyamorous relationship is not a phase? But before we get into that, if you're thinking, gosh, I just wish Demona would just come in and fix my dating life. Don't worry, my friends. I got you. My signature program, The Dating Accelerator, is back, and enrollment is now open for our September cohort. I got to tell you, I only run this program twice a year live. So if you want to work with me and my team live, in person, on Zoom, of course, this is your chance. You'll get 10 weeks of support on your specific dating dilemmas through videos, audios, workbooks, live workshops with me, and personalized spotlight coaching with my VIP coach. And there's so much more. I got to shout out our 2020 participant, Letty. She just got married and freaking grease, y'all. I, oh my gosh, these pictures. I, I want to get married all over again after seeing how happy Letty is with her new partner. Our 2021 participant, Amanda, she is in an awesome relationship. I have so many new success stories to share. Even in the midst of the pandemic, people are finding love. If you want to know the secret to lasting love too, you can go to thedatingsecret.com. That's T-H-E, datingsecret.com. Oh, and hot tip. Early bird enrollment is open this month only, in August only. If you sign up now, you will get a discount of over 20% off. I want to meet you live and work with you in person so you can become one of my success stories too. Spaces are limited, so sign up today if you want to get that early bird rate at thedatingsecret.com. The link will be in the show notes. We're back. You know, sometimes as relationships go on, they actually get more complicated rather than easier. And that is certainly true for our next question. Our next question comes to us in a DM on Instagram from a listener named Soli. They say, I'm queer and exploring the idea of polyamory. My current partner seems to think it's a phase and that somehow with time, I will have a change of heart about marriage. How do I explain that it is not a phase? I've always structured my relationships in particular ways that others felt were odd. I thought it was my neurodivergence and just overall need to compartmentalize things. But really, it just comes down to different people fulfilling different aspects of my needs and not requiring that a single partner or person fulfill more than what they or I want from that relationship. My current partner expresses that this feels like an excuse for me to have sex with other people. But I don't tend to engage in sexual relationships with more than one person at a time unless a conversation is had about opening up the relationship. And even then, I usually have only one or two partners at a time. My partner doesn't fulfill some of my more intellectual needs in a relationship and doesn't like that I have some intense intellectual relationships with others, even though they are not sexual in nature. How do I explain that this is not a phase? Okay, so Lee, you've got a whole melting pot of different challenges and situations that are all stirring in together. So let me let me separate out the ingredients, which your neurodivergent mind might appreciate since you said you like to compartmentalize things. Let's first just talk about the neurodivergence. That for a lot of people, they 
aren't understanding how your brain works differently. And so a lot of times it does require a little bit of an education process and it does require you to be clear with them about how you're processing things because you, I imagine, will not know how what they see as different and they will not understand because it will be different from other relationships that they've had. So communication is really key and talking through the different decisions and feelings that you are having. Now, when you say that you will have like to have different people fulfilling different aspects of your needs, I think that that is a fantastic notion for any relationship and for any anyone listening neurotypical neurodivergent or or something else you should never be looking at your partner as someone who needs to fulfill all of your needs that said we do want to focus in on what are the important things for your partner to deliver and for you having your intellectual needs met in a relationship may be really high on your list of criteria. And so it could be that your partner, I mean, that seems to me to be a very important part of modern attraction and relationships. So if you don't feel on the same level there, it it's definitely going to seem like it's not fitting. And that's before you start adding in polyamory. That's before you start adding in the element of being queer. And I don't know if you were out when you began your relationship with this partner, but it could feel to them like it's a bit of a change in the relationship and the rules, and they could be feeling very confused and maybe even a little threatened. And so we really just need to parse this out. And so since you like to compartmentalize things, uh, this could work very well for you. First, what are my needs in a relationship? Any relationship. Do I need to have intellectual stimulation? Do I need to also have someone who is open to me expressing my queer identity? Do I need to also, I would hope that's the answer to that question is yes, right? Do I need to have someone who is open to me having sexual relationships with other people? Because I I think we don't always need to label if you are having a non-sexual relationship that fits some of your other needs, we don't necessarily need to label that. We don't have to label that as an amorous or polyamorous relationship if that's something that makes your partner uncomfortable. And you can still get your need met without putting your partner on the outside of that. But if it is important to you to have sexual relationships with people outside of your primary relationship, that's kind of core to your relationship being able to continue or not. So it seems like first figuring out what are my base needs in the relationship and then saying, does this person meet these base needs? And then you can start to go into those clarifying conversations with that partner to see, are they going to be able to tolerate you being in a polyamorous relationship while they are monogamous. Because I'm not sure how that works. I I would love, if someone could honestly explain that to me, because this isn't the first time actually this week that somebody has said that they were poly, but their partner 
was not. I'm not sure how that works long term. Like I know logistically, obviously, I understand. I understand logistically how that works. But I'm not sure how that actually works in a relationship. I feel that your partner, even if they are not engaging in sexual relationships, they have to have an openness to the poly lifestyle. And it sounds like from what you have said here that your current partner is not really open to that. And if that is something that really is important to you, you may feel stifled continuing this relationship and always feeling like you're walking on eggshells around your partner, trying to make the rules of the relationship fit their lifestyle over yours. So you got a little bit of homework there, Sully. (laughs) You got a little bit of homework, but it's all clarifying and it will all help you whether you're continuing this relationship or laying the foundation and the rules for your next relationship or relationships going forward. The next question here was emailed to me from a listener in Chicago named S. They said, Dear Demona, I love your podcast. I love you too. I am writing now because I'm feeling ready to start dating again. So I signed up for an app and I'm suddenly reminded of one of my terrible flaws. I tend to let my imagination get carried away the minute I develop the slightest crush on a guy. I am in my mid-30s, but you'd think I'm a teenager the way I immediately let myself daydream about future conversations, dates, what it would be like to kiss, have sex, meet each other's families, travel. You get the idea. Daydreaming is fun, but I'm afraid it makes me put unrealistic expectations on someone who I've literally only messaged a couple of times. It sets me up for disappointment, especially when they turn out to not be interested back. And I know it's also not fair to the guy. He's not doing anything wrong. These are normal flirty messages. Do you have any advice about how I can stop letting my imagination run wild? S, look, imagination is a great thing. And actually, I was writing in my book, which will be out in 2024. But in the meantime, I can give you all of the juicy insights from from it. I was talking about how we don't allow ourselves enough play, enough childlike wonder and enough imagination in our lives. And I think all of that is fantastic when it's helping you figure out the foundation of what you want in a relationship and figure out how to make decisions in support of that dream and that goal. I don't want you to stop doing that, but I do want you to just be mindful of when it's coming up. This is when it gets really fun. We notice when these patterns start to hit us. And we notice if you start to look back as when has that come up for you before and when did it not serve you? Because sometimes we are programmed in such a way where something will happen that will remind us of a situation that we had in the past and we will connect those two things and behave in a similar way. So I'm going to guess as that this is not the first time that you've allowed yourself to get caught up in a daydream. And I'm also going to assume that the daydream in the past didn't really end the way that you were hoping. And so now you've negatively correlated those two activities of the daydreaming and the outcome, right? So where do we need to press pause? I would say if you are starting to daydream about people like all the way to meeting their families and they haven't actually written you back? You said they they might not be interested back. I don't know to what level if you mean like they're not interested in going on a date or they're not interested in being your boo. 
But let's try not to get too far ahead of the information that you have. And this is one of the reasons that I suggest that people meet offline as quickly as possible. Not like the same night. You know, I do have a rule about that. Not same night. But within a day to seven days, I really like to have my clients get offline and see what the reality is. And then you can start your daydream once you've actually met them. But it's detrimental when it starts to happen before you even have any information about the person. And it's also detrimental when you start to change your behavior in support of the daydream and ignore what's happening in the reality. So if you get information about that person, like, oh, that guy was kind of a jerk to the waiter. And, oh, wait, uh, he didn't really call me back when he said he was going to or he didn't show up on time or like anything that would show him to be a person of integrity who's investing in a long-term relationship with you. We start to ignore those things because we're so attached to the daydream. That's when it starts to become hurtful and not helpful for you. But between now and that point, I want you to daydream. I want you to visualize. I actually find that I do these exercises, like in my Dating Accelerator program, I have people visualize the relationship that they want. Because when we do that, we are carving new neural pathways. And when we have different beliefs, we start to act differently. We start to change our behaviors. And those behaviors changing is what actually changes our reality. So go for it. Go with the daydream. Let your imagination run wild. Just pump the brakes a little bit and ask yourself, wait, how much information do I have about this particular person when the daydream is connected to that particular person? And say, do I need more information right now to be able to support the daydream, the story that I'm telling myself? And that will inform how you can just ask yourself, do I need more information? Am I still figuring out who this person is? Do I have enough information to support this daydream that I've created in placing this person, this particular person in the daydream or not? And if you don't have the information yet, the daydream can still exist, but maybe we don't put that person in it until we've finished figuring out who they are and whether they fit in to the role that we are casting them into. Woohoo! That was an amazing set of questions. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. You have made this season 10 premiere so, so special. And if you didn't get your question answered today, just hang in there. I will get to as many questions as I can in our future episodes this season. I have one more treat for you. As I was preparing for the season 10 premiere, I took some time to reflect on our past season. And you know what? We had some really great advice and great insights shared on the show. Actually, you know what? Instead of reflecting, why don't I just share my top 10 moments with you? Number 10, my dear friend, matchmaker, Devin Simone. You've seen her on the Today Show, Wendy Williams. She hosts reunions of The Challenge on MTV. But what I most appreciate is that 
she knows how to bring things down to a relatable level. Are you trying to please everyone else rather than being authentic to yourself? Because dating ain't Chipotle. You cannot go down the line and order what you want and pay for it at the end. Dating is nuanced and there's so many different like layers to it, but it's so rewarding. Number nine, she hosts the We Met at Acme podcast and she's always dishing out the freshest dating advice on Instagram in her cute little signature crop tops. Lindsay Metzelar keeps it real. There's a meme that I saw while that's like my feminism leaving my body when the bill comes. If you ask them on a date, you better be prepared to pay. That's just the rule since the beginning of time. Number eight, she's the best-selling author of the book, How to Not Die Alone. I got to know her by interviewing her on NPR, and I knew that you all had to hear her insights as the Hinge app's head of behavioral science. It's Logan Yuri. There's no magic bullet. You don't just put one word on your profile or switch one picture and suddenly you find your soulmate. It's a process. It's so easy to misjudge someone based on a profile that they might have spent five minutes making. Understand what are the invisible forces changing your behavior, creating these blind spots where you're making mistakes. If you think the date will go well or you think the date will go poorly, you're right. And so mindset is everything. Number seven, the first time I met this woman, I could not stop laughing. She is so real, so funny, so no nonsense. And now so popular for her advice on Instagram. It's the amazing matchmaker, Maria. I've noticed it does not matter who messages who first. In fact, something like 80% of men prefer if a woman messages a man first. I think the people that tend to swipe and say there's no one on this app, I think those people are experiencing severe dating fatigue. Number six, you may have originally seen her as a contestant on Survivor. Since then, she was a regular guest in the Today Show. I call her the unofficial mayor of Clubhouse. She always has her pulse on what's happening. My dear friend, Francesca Hoagie. You know, one big solution to catfishing is just meet them. Meet them in person. Because the person who has a million excuses why they can't meet, it's like, you know, it's pretty obvious. Number five. He has over a million followers on Instagram at Create the Love. He's a human connection specialist, and he's especially known for helping people through breakups. The one, the only, Mark Groves. I mean, to me, breakups are the greatest gateway to oneself and, and to stepping into your power. Any form of expansion requires cracking. You, know, you have to be intentional about your healing. It's almost like that space between what was and what is possible, we don't necessarily trust. You know, we have to take responsibility for our role in the relationship. Number four, he's co-hosted the show with me many times over the years, and he keeps us up to speed on dating during COVID, sexual health and wellness, mental health, all things healthy body, healthy mind. He's the incredible Dr. James Simmons of Ask the NP. The vaccines are perfect. N none of this is perfect, but use these tools so that you can be more comfortable. And if you use all of the tools, you'll, you'll be fine. Number three, we've had celebrities talk about things that they never mention in other interviews. I like to create a safe space to talk about love and Emmy-nominated actress and transgender activist Laverne Cox opened up about quite a few things. When I was younger, I would ask, answer all their questions. I really wanted them to like me. And I didn't think about whether or not I really liked them. I, I kind of am in shock that like I have a boyfriend again and that I am in love like I've never been in love before. Like it is oh, like, wow. it's deep. We've had this, the sacred connection that I've never really felt with anyone else before that feels spiritual, that feels like a soul connection. Number two, 
so wise and so wonderful. We just began collaborating on content this year, and I know you're going to be hearing more from the Love Drives, Sean Galanos. And what if I just told people what I wanted and then let them figure out if that's also what they wanted? Another sort of definition that I've been noodling on of about expectations is that they are unspoken needs or desires. If you can see rejection as liberating, that is a power move that will pay dividends for the rest of your life. And number one, this interview was years in the making. His radio show, Loveline, was an inspiration to me in starting this podcast 10 years ago. And honestly, I'm still pinching myself that he was a guest on our 400th episode Dr. Drew Pinsky. When you're in a conflict and one of you wins, the relationship loses. So what we tell people is think butterflies, not lightning bolts. <laughs> Look, you're a perfect instrument. Your body's a perfect instrument. Long-term relationships is like long-term recovery from drug addiction. It's one day at a time. Let your partner know that you're, you know, you appreciate them for the the happiness you're experiencing this day. And I appreciate you all for being here with me. Welcome to season 10 of Dates and Mates. Later this season, we have a stacked schedule of experts, authors, and celebrities talking about everything from texting to codependence to interracial dating. This season is definitely going to be our biggest and best yet. I hope you enjoyed episode 425 of Dates and Mates. If you love the show, there are three things that you can do to make sure I can keep making this show for you, maybe for 10 more seasons. Number one, subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Number two, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And number three, share this episode with a friend so that we can keep helping people and healing hearts. Speaking of which... I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're dealing with. Cuffing season is fast approaching, you know, summer flings. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want to know. So if you have a question for Dear Demona, DM it to me. I'm at Demona Hoffman on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also call me or text me your question at 424-246-6255 anytime, day or night. We'll be back again next Tuesday with Ilana Dunn, host of the hit podcast, Seeing Other People. In the meantime, you have until August 31st to get in on this early bird offer to join the Dating Accelerator live coaching program with me. Click the link in the show notes or go to The Dating Secret to get started. Until then, I wish you happy dating.